0: There's just a novelty and a magic to doing a radio show in Antarctica. Every time I go on the radio and do my show and say, you're listening to Esoterra Australis live from McMurdo Station, Antarctica, even though I know that I have maybe three listeners tops, it's still really fun to say that.
1: You're listening to Radio Survivor,
2: the sound of strong communities. Hello, everybody. My name is Eric Klein. I'm Paul rees And joining us via Skype from San Francisco is Jennifer Waits. Hello. And today, we're going to travel to the least populated continent on the planet, virtually. That the is finest
1: community radio station
2: on the least populated continent. Indeed. We're going to Antarctica, and we're going to talk with someone at McMurdo Station, which is a, an outpost that is operated by the National Science Foundation of the United States. And they have a radio station. And they have a radio station where residents can be DJs, just like a community or college station elsewhere, only this one's in Antarctica. We'll be talking with Elizabeth Deliquesse, and she is a broadcast engineer, and she helps to operate the station Ice Radio in Antarctica. Welcome to Radio Survivor, Elizabeth.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm thrilled to be on the show. It's This is an honor. So thank you so much. Well,
2: it's an honor to have a chance to speak to, you know, the other end of the world in many ways down in Antarctica, where you are a day ahead of us. Maybe just to kind of start for people who aren't familiar with the fact that there are human beings in Antarctica. Can you, can you tell us what is McMurdo Station?
0: Yes. McMurdo Station is one of three... Research stations on the continent, they're run by the United States Antarctica Program, which in itself is part of the National Science Foundation, which is a federal science research program. So there's three research stations. There's one at South Pole. There's one at McMurdo Station, which is on the the edge. It's actually on an island called Ross Island. And then there's Palmer Station, which is a really tiny station on the peninsula close to South America.
1: Radio Survivor listeners, my name is Eric Klein, and I'm breaking in here to let you know that you're listening to a rebroadcast of one of our favorite episodes of Radio Survivor. It was recorded in June of 2018, and so you're about to hear Elizabeth Delacquist there in Antarctica describe the seasons, and of course, when it's summer... As it was when we recorded this in 2018, in the northern hemisphere of the of the Earth, it is winter in the southern hemisphere of the Earth, and so keeping in mind that that's the time shift that you're dealing with, uh, please enjoy this episode. I think that it's very special because what is community radio when it's when the community is uh, such a shrunken, tight knit form of community, the sort that you get on a base in antarctica uh, it's still community radio so i hope you enjoy and with that uh with that time traveling caveat i bring you back to the voice of elizabeth Delaquest in antarctica
0: so mcmurdo station is the largest u.s research station it's also the largest station on the continent in the summer there can be up to 1200 people when i was there with the most we ever had was around 900 And in the winter, there's a small what we call winter overpopulation who just live and work there to um, kind of keep the lights on and do maintenance over the winter and get ready for the summer season. Right now, there are 133 people on station. It's been that way since April.
2: I'll note that it is winter there right now in Antarctica as it is spring right. and going into summer in pe- for people in the northern hemisphere. And so down there That's in right. Antarctica, the winter, uh, what is that like?
0: Um, it's dark out 24-7. That's probably been the biggest adjustment. It's total darkness. Um, we had the last sunrise on, uh, when was it, April 19th. And it won't get light again until... August 19th I want to say and it's pretty cold it's not as cold as it is at pole right now it's about 2 degrees below zero which is actually pretty mild although it's also very windy Antarctica is is the windiest Fahrenheit yep 2 below Fahrenheit I think a couple of days ago it was 20 below Fahrenheit wind chill lately can get down to negative 40 negative 50 so it's um, very very dark and very cold
3: so and, in, in general, yeah. why why do people go to Antarctica and what are all the scientists doing there?
0: So over the winter, most of the science research is focused on physics and atmospheric science. During the summer, there's a lot more research on biology, ecology, geology. Um, there's some physics research. Right now, we just have a few um, space and atmospheric science projects going on right now. Antarctica is a good... I mean, because of its location, it's a really good location for studying physics and outer space, atmospheric sciences and things like that. And then why do people come to Antarctica just in general, like for work? Yeah. So for me, it was mostly just, I don't know, adventure, um, the opportunity to live abroad and get paid, the opportunity to go to a continent that very, very few people get to see in their life. So I think that's a really common draw for people. I think some people, uh, uh, there are a lot of people who um, work as contractors, just that's their lifestyle. That's how they make their money. So Antarctica's part of their contracting circuit. Over the summer, I met a lot of folks who will work here for the summer season, and then they work for the park service or something similar in the off season. So I first learned
3: about there being a radio station in Antarctica when I was watching an episode of Anthony Bourdain's show, on CNN, the show Parts Unknown. And I had tuned in to an episode about Antarctica. And and interwoven in the episode were a few sort of mysterious glimpses of a radio station. And I'm somebody who likes to tour radio stations all over the country and and a couple outside of the United States. And so when I saw glimpses of this radio station, that wasn't even really just, it wasn't described in the episode at all. The episode was about the overall experience of Antarctica. So I just caught this tiny, tiny sliver of a glimpse of radio happening in Antarctica and was intrigued and started researching it. So can you tell me why there's a radio station there in the first place? Yeah. So I'll back up a
0: little bit. I started working at McMurdo October 14th of last year. So I've been on the ice for almost eight months continuously. I was a communications operator for the summer season, which is like, it's basically field camp dispatch. And then I've been the broadcast engineer since February. And I will have that job until August. And then I'll have a six-week break back in the States. And then I come back for another season next summer also as the broadcast engineer. So if all goes as planned, I'll be on the ice for um, 14 months with a six-week break. Okay. Why is there radio in Antarctica? Um, so my understanding is that the station has been around since... There's been a station in some form or another since the 1960s. I'm going to quote from this article from the Antarctic Sun, which is the online newspaper of the United States Antarctica program. Um, So this is me quoting then editor Peter Rasek. The original radio station was on the air as early as 1963 under the call sign KMSA, according to Billy Ace Penguin Baker, a retired Navy radio man who, between 1962 and 1980, spent four winters and 15 summers in Antarctica as part of Operation Deep Freeze. Operation Deep Freeze is the U.S. military's um, continual support of science activities at um, McMurdo Station, so it started out KMSA in the '60s, and then in 1971 the call sign was WASA, and in 1975 it was AFAN, which is American Forces Antarctic Network. So the radio station has evolved, kind of has kind of as the station has evolved. Um, the McMurdo started out as a naval base in the in the mid 1950s. And it was under the U.S. Navy was the primary supporter and operator of McMurdo Station until 19 until the early 1990s. And then the National Science Foundation became the primary manager. And now the U.S. military has a smaller secondary role. So historically, the radio station has been around, um, I think, primarily as a morale booster um, for servicemen who were working in Antarctica and it it still has that role to this day and even though the National Science Foundation is now the primary manager of the station the military still has a pretty big role in managing ice radio and our radio and tv infrastructure because it's kind of been grandfathered into that system and this is does that make sense
1: yeah and this is Eric Klein here at Radio Survivor and I think it might help the listeners to get a mental picture uh for my part, out of complete ignorance, when McMurdo Station, mm-hmm. the word was uh, conjured in my mind, uh, a building in the snow. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at McMurdo Station photographs on the internet, and it's clearly like a, it's a small town. It's a large amount of buildings sure. with roads. So the radio station where you work in Antarctica, it serves this, uh, this tiny town, this community of people working yep. at the station. Yeah, that's correct. They're driving around mm-hmm. in in their trucks, and uh, and yeah. they live in different places and work in different places throughout the 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 little. That's region. right.
0: So, yeah. So, um, if you look at a photo of McMurdo, in pretty much all of the photos you'll see, at least from the last ten years, there'll be a big blue building in the middle of town, and that's Building One Fifty Five, and the Ice Radio Studio is in One Fifty Five, mm-hmm. and our antenna is on the roof, and. Um, That's where we have our galley, which is the cafeteria. It's called galley from the Navy days. Um, there are some dorms in that building. And then outside of 155, there are several more dorm buildings. And then there are a bunch of work centers. So we have further out of town, you have the carp shop, which is where the carpenters work. You have the waste barn, yeah. which is where all of the wasteies, we call them, work. <laughs> um, and then you have... That's great. Um, you have the fuels barn, you have the chapel, you have building 165, which is where the weather forecasters and observers and um, flight um, flight following work. Yeah. You have the um, Hilo hangar, um, you have Crary, which is the um, main uh, laboratory for where all the scientists work, especially during the summer. Um, so, yeah, ice radio serves... Ice radio serves the McMurdo population primarily. Um, We're definitely low power. Our transmitter is 50 watts. Um, There's a large hill next to McMurdo Station called Observation Hill. We all call it Ob Hill. And depending on where you are in the surrounding area, um, Ob Hill may block the signal and you can't get it. There's um, the New Zealand Antarctic Program has a tiny research station about two miles away from McMurdo. And this is Scott Base. And Ob Hill is between roughly between us and Scott Base. So I've had folks at Scott Base tell me they can't pick up ice radio because you have <laughs> Ob Hill blocking the signal. We have that but problem here in,
1: back in civilization. Yeah,
0: as well Exactly. Um, but whereas if you're out at one of the the runways for the airplanes that land mm-hmm. in the summer, you can get a pretty good signal. Um, I've heard people get it up to 10 miles away. Um, anywhere there, because anywhere you don't have like a mountain, right. Antarctica is very, very flat. It's, yeah, it's high elevation. It's very flat. So as long as you don't have uphill in the way, you can get the signal. I've heard, you know, five, 10 miles away.
3: And it's over FM. Correct. It's over
0: FM. That's right.
2: And there's not another radio yeah. station on the same frequency like might might happen here on in no. North America.
1: <laughs> and Elizabeth, no, no. Elizabeth Deliquest, you're at McMurdo station in Antarctica and you make radio. What kind of radio do you make?
0: Well, that's, that's where you get into how ice radio is really, really different from radio, especially community radio or college radio back home. So the, the really big different the my biggest surprise um that I encountered with ICE Radio when I first got here is that you cannot play your own music. Um, you can only play music that's provided by the defense media activity and by extension, um, American Forces Network, which is the agency within defense media activity that provides us with all of our content. So um, American Forces Network provides us with our the DVDs that we play on our movie channels. They provide us with... Um, like networked television, sports, news, um, that um, it's the same service that a lot of people
3: get when they're on ships.
1: So tell us, tell us what, like, what is the last song you played?
3: Oh, and well, and to back up a little bit, I'm not sure if you've mentioned to our listeners that you run not only the radio station, but also a television station. So you're talking about content for both radio and television at McMurdo. That's correct.
2: So so like, tell us about the music then what, 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 what kind of, you know, we're 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 sort of wanting to know, like, you know, is, is it, is it top 40? Is it, is how, you know, how, how kind of filtered is it, I guess.
0: Okay. So we have, we have three sources of music. We have, um, content that's in our automation system and that's stuff that DJs can play as well. It's mostly, um, let's see if I broke down the music, it would be mostly, Let's see, we've got oldies, we've got classic rock, we've got like hard rock from the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Um, we have a lot of pop, we have a lot of hip hop, we have country, we have a lot of country. Um, so that's what's in that's our... So these are
2: like recognizable of- songs to most people, things that, they, that you'd be familiar recogn- on commercial radio, you know, kind of anywhere. Very, yep. But there's not yep. going to be it's, a lot of underground stuff, I guess.
0: There's not going to be any underground stuff. It's very much um, top forty, classic rock, oldies, and this is because um, the defense media activity provides us with music that kind of fits their demographic, which is service members. Yeah.
3: You know, when I was watching, when I was watching the episode of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown about Antarctica, there were some scenes where they showed vintage records that were from. Aha. Uh-huh you know, the past. And, and then I've also read that there's this. (laughs) You're always going to get Jennifer's attention. If
1: you have a, a a music library with vinyl, even if you're in Antarctica. And
3: and I've, and I've read in various articles that there's a massive vinyl library. So I'm curious what's in that library.
0: Yes. So as well as our digital and our CDs. We also have a vinyl collection. This is stuff that we got from the Navy back when the Navy was running McMurdo Station primarily, and we no longer get records. We've we've gotten them until about the early nineties. Um, and I mean, I'm kind. I'll I'll say I'm kind of spoiled because I cut my teeth on community radio when I was. Wow. Um, High school and college, I volunteered for W O R T in Madison, and we have a huge record library as well, um, which covers uh, a huge range of genres. So I'm very I'm familiar kind of, with W O R T. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's a great station um, W O R T.
0: Yeah, yes, but our vinyl library is pretty great too. We have a lot of, and we have a, a slightly wider range of. Um, genres in the vinyl library so as well as having a lot of classic rock and pop and country we also have a small classical collection we also have some we have some latin music and we have a collection of religious music and then we also have things like um sound effects and um six hour long elvis presley specials and, um, so kind it was of, like, like really the Elvis Presley special.
2: Stuff. Was that something like, that's like something provided for broadcast, right? That's not like something you could have bought in a store, yes. right? That was for specifically that, for yeah. like armed forces network or something like that. Meat.
0: Yes, that, that's correct. And I can send you, um, I later on, I don't know what extra material you want. I can send you a ton of photos. I've got links to the Antarctic sun. Um, but yeah, I can send you a photo of our records. They all have um, American Forces Radio and Television Service stamped on them. Yeah, please do. A lot of the older, oh, yeah, a lot that. of the older records have sleeves that say "Property of the United States Government." So yeah, these are specifically published for. Um, um, for, for the American the network. forces network. Yeah,
2: so that so you're allowed to mm-hmm. in addition to the CDs that you have and and the music that's supplied over your automation system, you're allowed to play all this vinyl too because it's part of the official yep. uh bank, the official repository, if you will. That's fantastic. Yep. That's, Vintage that's Armed exactly Forces right. radio vinyl. And and do DJs take yeah. much advantage of the vinyl? Does it get played very much? Yep. Really? The
0: vinyl gets played a lot. Usually every summer there's at least one or two shows that are completely vinyl. Um my friend Zach has done an all vinyl show for I think at least two or three years called The Vinyl Frontier. <laughs> this winter I'm doing a um I'm doing an hour-long classical show called Esoterra Australis. And I never would have done, I would never do a classical show back home because Madison, Wisconsin has so many classical shows between (laughs) Wisconsin Public Radio and Wart. But there's no other class, no one else is doing a classical show on Ice Radio. So I thought, okay, I'll do a classical show. I'll do an all vinyl classical show. That's the only place in the world that I would do this.
2: Yeah, well. Um, And and you've got enough there to to take care of it. You've got a big enough repository of music that, that that's no problem to keep you supplied every week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I haven't run out.
2: We're talking about ICE radio in
1: uh, the McMurdo station in Antarctica, in case people are just tuning in.
3: So, Elizabeth, how how many people volunteer at the radio station?
0: I'll just say a lot more people in the summer. And I think we had about – so on ICE radio – when you're a volunteer DJ, you can either have a regular show or you can be what's called a floater, which means you get training and then you can just come into the studio and do a show whenever it's available. And I, I don't think there, I've never encountered another radio station in the States that, that has that structure. Um, and I was a floater last summer because my schedule, my work schedule changed every week. Um, we all work 54 hours a week, down here at McMurdo. So sometimes it was hard to find time to do a show. So because of that, I was a floater. And I think over the summer, we probably had about 30 floaters. Oh, wow. This winter we have this winter. We have, I think five. Yeah. We have five regular shows, including mine. Um, and I'll clarify. I'm not like, I'm not paid to do a show here. That's mm-hmm. that's not, it's a volunteer kind of
2: thing, job. like community radio. Yeah. yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. what's
2: yeah. on when there's not a live DJ, what's on the station?
0: When there is not a live DJ, we just have a mix of music from Ice Radio's automation system. Mm-hmm. So you can tune in. Um, you can either listen on a radio or what most people do, I think, if they don't have a radio at their work center or in their vehicle, is they'll just tune to TV channel six. And we have the radio stream routed to that channel. So you can turn tune to channel six. Um, and watch the, the look at the movie schedule and look at the dining menu for the galley and listen to music. So calling it a TV station is generous because we don't have a TV studio, but what we do have are, how many channels do we have? We have 25, yeah, we have 25 channels. Um, and that's and, the only
1: television available in Antarctica.
0: Yeah, the bandwidth channels. here is, Bandwidth here is really limited, so um, if you don't if you don't come down here with a hard drive full of your own movies, um, you're pretty much limited to whatever we have. We have free DVD rental in the station store, and then we also have four movie channels. We have three information scrolls, which just have a a, a PowerPoint scroll of things like the mm-hmm. dining menu, the movie schedule, information about um, upcoming flights, and you know, lodging hours. Who to call if um, you know the light bulb goes out in your dorm and you right. need to have a utility technician and, fix it? So, so things like that. And ice and radio is on one have, of those
2: channels where there's yes, the scroll. Ice
0: radio. Ice radio is on one of the scroll channels. That's and correct.
2: There, I mean, there's real history there. Like this is this is this is something where a lot of community and college stations got their start before they could be on FM and sometimes even afterwards would be on a local cable system where there would be like a weather scroll or community bulletin board. And then they would play the community radio station, the community radio station where I cut my teeth, W E F T in Champaign, Urbana, Illinois started out before they got their FM license underneath the scroll on the local cable TV channel. So this tradition carries forward here in Antarctica.
1: I jumped to conclusions about, I I assumed it was the analog portion
2: of yeah, Channel no. 6 TV, which in the United States has been mostly turned off except for these low-power TV stations that can be heard on FM. No, it's not quite the same thing. Okay, I got excited.
3: And and you were talking about the limited bandwidth there. And, um, and that's my understanding internet is bandwidth that you we're
2: talking about, correct? Internet bandwidth. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. um, it's my understanding that you don't stream online. Is that largely why, because of bandwidth concerns? Yep. It's a bandwidth issue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And do you record your shows at all? I mean, do, do, do you record your shows or do other people record their shows?
0: Um, other people sometimes record their shows. I have not recorded my shows yet, mainly because I haven't felt a reason to. <laughs> I've been hosting radio since I was 18. I know what I sound like and other people know what I sound like. So mm-hmm. I don't really feel a need to. Um, having said that, I did record. Um, I did an interview with one. Um, Uh, a gentleman who works here in the summer who is kind of our, he's like our big music guy. He organizes or helps organize um, the New Year's Eve summer music festival. And so I had him on ice radio and did a little interview with him about that. Um, And this is really tentative.
1: Please tell us more about the summer music festival in McMurdo Station, Antarctica.
0: Okay. Well, it's called Ice Stock. It's been going on for a couple of decades at least and it takes place on New Year's Eve. There's usually a, at least ten acts. This year, I think there were ten or twelve. Um, I was only there for the first oh. half, and then I had to go to work. But the part that I was there for was really, really fun. Oh my god! And
2: are these people um, are the acts? People who are already there yeah. as as volunteer or as workers? Yep.
0: Okay, yeah. So and these all, are just it's talented all people. volunteers.
1: And is this music this festival? This is just Ar- Is this music festival in Antarctica broadcast on your radio station?
0: You know, it it wasn't this year, and I don't know if it ever has. Uh-huh. Um, it could it could probably be recorded, although yeah. the defense me- defense media and activity <laughs> right. defense media activity and the National Science Foundation are really really cautious about copyright, understandably. Yeah. So. <laughs> Understandable. yeah.
1: The idea of there being a live music festival in Antarctica and there being a community radio station in Antarctica, I I wanted to marry the two. I couldn't Mm -hmm, help myself, mm -hmm. but I apologize. It's a a
2: logical
0: question. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, I'm not sure if I would go quite so far as to call ICE radio a community radio station just because it doesn't fit the format of a community radio station back in the States. But I do think it It kind of fills that role a little bit, but just because it's managed by the defense media activity and the National Science Foundation, as opposed to um, like a local nonprofit or a a university, it's it doesn't really fit that definition. Sure, It's very
1: Um, unique, but I I see what you're saying because you guys have uh, volunteer DJs who contribute. Uh, on a rotating regular basis they they have to follow a certain no. set of rules
2: That's but a, you can but you get to pick your music right yeah. f- from amongst what's available to you, right? You still program your show, there's no rotation, right. it doesn't sound like commercial radio, does it
1: well no,
0: not really so i'll I'll clarify you have to you have to play what the music that the d m a provides you right but yeah, you exactly. can do if media you activity. i mean right. Yeah, if you get if you get permission in advance, you can do music, you can do a live performance that's like public domain music. For example, I have a friend here. This hasn't been planned yet. This is something I'm hoping to pull off in the next month. Um, I have a colleague here, um, one of the firefighters who plays the vibraphone, and he's very, very talented and he can play classical compositions and he's also um, composed his own music. And, um, because his music wouldn't be, um, it would either be public domain or it wouldn't be copywritten. Um, I could have him in the studio and do a live vibraphone performance, which is something I'm hoping to do later this month. Um, and then people will also do interviews. I have a friend, um, who's, who comes into the station, um, and plays music probably two or three times a week. And um, he did an interview recently with one of the janitors at McMurdo and one of the um, waste technicians at McMurdo and just asked them things like, what's it like to be a janitor? How does the waste system work? So even though... Um, We can only play the music that's provided us. I think there's still a fair amount of space to be creative. Um, And as long as you don't put your, especially if you don't put your content online, which is another thing, we're not allowed to put our recordings online for, Mm. um, for copyright reasons.
3: And does that, you know, I'm really interested in radio history, especially thinking about the fact that there's been a radio station there for 55 years or so. In Antarctica. in Antarctica at McMurdo, um, are there efforts, you know, copyright aside, are there efforts to preserve, are there recordings of, you know, some of these old shows that people did back in, back in the fifties, or, um, do you have archives of materials, uh, photographs, you know, or anything that represent the history of the station? Do you, do you know anything about that? To my
0: knowledge, there hasn't been a formal effort to do any kind of archiving or preservation. I do know um, if I dug through the Antarctic Sun Photo Library, I could probably find some older photos. I know the station, because it's existed under... It's it's evolved. It's existed under various call signs and frequencies, as I said earlier. Um, and I'm pretty sure I could find some of that on the Antarctic Sun Photo website. And by the way, that's a public website. Anybody can go there and, cool. and search around. And it, it's a really I'll send you a link after this interview. And I definitely recommend going there. And it's a good way to learn more about the United States Antarctica program as well. So there's definitely a little material on there. There's the Antarctic Sun article that you sent me, Jennifer. That one's a really good resource um, that kind of briefly touches on the history, um, but gives you a pretty thorough outline. But other than that, I don't, if there are any recordings from the radio station itself, I, I don't know of them. I would guess probably not. Other than the shows that people occasionally record, um, no. I mean, we don't, have, um, we don't have an air check system. We don't have a, a, an internet archive like a lot of radio stations do because right. of bandwidth.
2: Right. And we are talking with Elizabeth Deliquesse, who is in Antarctica at McMurdo Station. And she is the engineer and also a broadcaster, at Ice Radio, a 50-watt FM radio station broadcasting to Antarctica. And she's telling us all about the station. And we'll have some photos and links to many of the articles that she was just mentioning. We've talked about here ways that we learned about this radio station at McMurdo at our website, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast, where you can learn more and more about this uh, this fantastic <laughs> radio station. government
1: run uh, community radio station.
2: Government run community radio station there at uh, the other end of if the it's planet. Okay. From if, where we are here in North America. If you don't mind me putting that label yeah. on it, I should say. You
0: can, but, yeah. I'll, I'll I would I would probably say um, National Science Foundation.
2: Yes, the National Science
0: That's yep.
2: Foundation.
0: Again,
1: Radio Survivor listeners, in case you've just tuned in, I want to let you know that you're listening to an interview with Elizabeth Delaquest there in Antarctica, making radio in Antarctica, originally recorded in June of 2018. And it's just making me laugh uh, listening to the Radio Survivor hosts, Jennifer Waits, Paul rees Mandela and myself, Eric Klein, discovering in real time what this government-community radio hybrid radio station is like uh the fact that there's a 50-year history <laughs> we're all just finding out about it for the first time i hope you forgive us uh, acting like children in a candy shop and uh let's continue let's continue the exploration and find out what community slash government radio in antarctica is really like
2: now are there other radio stations there in antarctica or that you can receive there or at mcmurdo
0: there are two other radio stations. They are um, they broadcast entirely American Forces Network programming. Mm-hmm. So Ice Radio is the only one of the three that um, has volunteer DJs.
2: And is that on FM as well?
0: That's on FM. And
2: yep. Does that come in via satellite, or are you getting it like uploaded via the yep. internet? It comes in via satellite. It
0: comes. It comes in via satellite. Well, and I'm curious sure. if you yeah.
3: if you pull out a radio and. And scan through the AM or FM dial when you're in McMurdo. Can, can you hear anything mm. beyond these three stations?
0: Um, I've scanned through my shortwave radio, like flipping it to FM and scan through it, and I've never heard anything besides the three radio stations, the three FM radio stations. I should clarify. Um, I've never even tried AM. That's a that's a really good point. Maybe I have. I can't remember. Um, now, if you if you go to shortwave radio you can pick up, let's see, I've picked up the, well, okay, let me back up. So on my little shortwave radio set, I have not picked up anything. Um, I haven't tried this winter and propagation might be better now that the sun is down all the time. Now, when I worked in Mac Ops as a communications operator late at night, when I was working on night shift, I would just sit and um, be ready to pick up the VHF or shortwave radio if a field camp called me for an emergency or for flight information or something like that. And every now and then, usually at about two or three in the morning, I would hear really, really garbled um, Indian pop music and Pashto language music coming from a shortwave radio station in Aligarh in northern India. How romantic. From all India. <laughs> That's great. From all India radio. Wow. Which is a shortwave station, and then if I change, if I tuned the radio a little bit, I could actually get a pretty good signal um, from this Indian shortwave radio station. Um, so listening to short, listening to live shortwave radio from India in Antarctica um, in the middle of the night when you've got the midnight sun, there's no darkness; it's light twenty-four-seven in the summer. Um, that was pretty fun. Yeah. So shortwave radio, shortwave radio is a whole other. I mean, I can like I could do a whole other interview about shortwave radio in Antarctica because that's um, do you have pretty interesting there? as well.
2: Are there, are there folks who who do who do any amateur radio down there?
0: We do. Um, I have a general license, which I rarely use. We do have a ham shack. There are a few other ham radio operators here right now. I had a friend here this summer who was really into it, and we did play around with the ham radios, ham radio shack up there. We weren't able to reach a lot of people. Um, again, I think propagation propagation is kind of problematic at times. Um, in Antarctica.
1: Can, could
2: you, who could you reach? Could you reach people yeah. in, in the Southern Hemisphere, maybe in New Zealand or or in somewhere like yeah, Argentina? We,
0: we briefly got a hold of somebody who I think may have been in – probably it was probably in Argentina. It was somewhere in South America. I will say – so my – my best shortwave radio memory from this summer, besides hearing um, Indian pop music live from a shortwave station in India, was when we did, um, it's a tradition that we do in Mac Ops where we will have the McMurdo Christmas Choir. So that's a small group of folks from McMurdo come into the communication center, um, the Mac Ops room mm-hmm. at McMurdo, and then we'll do a live Um, broadcast of Christmas carols on shortwave radio and we'll have groups of people from field camps stationed around the continent tune in and listen to us sing to them and then they'll get on shortwave radio and sing back to us. (laughs) So we'll have all of these we'll have all of these scientists and contractors singing Christmas carols from research camps in the area. We had folks from we had folks from South Pole singing to us Um, and then we had a guy um, who's a one of the grantees who was here, who's really into ham radio, was telling us that um, he let folks on um, the American, the ARRL, I forget, but you oh, know, the ham radio.
2: Radio Relay League. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. The American Radio yeah. Relay Le- League, yes.
0: Yeah, he let them know about this broadcast. And apparently there were folks who tried tuning in and they could hear us from like Sweden, um, I think someone from Germany um told him that they could hear our Antarctica shortwave Christmas carol wow. extravaganza broadcast
1: That's wonderful. It's so that amazing. was that was
0: fun. And I never thought I never thought and I will never, I don't think I will ever top this. i seeing a um, Christmas Carol show on shortwave radio for field camps in Antarctica. I don't think I will ever top that.
2: Yeah. Heard by people in fun. Sweden
1: and Germany. You're listening to Radio Survivor. And Jennifer Waits, you set up this interview with Elizabeth Delaquest because Elizabeth works at the radio station in Antarctica at McMurdo Station. I want to make sure that, because uh, we have... We have gone so deep into our love of all things radio. I wanted to make sure we get back to uh, your questions that you had set up about this radio station. Well,
3: and, and also, I don't want to—there's um, something on my mind because, uh, you know, the whole reason right. I learned about your radio station was through watching Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. And today, the day that we're recording this interview, this morning we found out that he, that he died— and this conversation we're having today was many months in the making. So yeah. it, it's, it's an odd and eerie coincidence that, that he died on the day that we're talking to you. And it's pretty incredible that he was given access to the radio station. Um, there were little glimpses of, of the station in his episode. And it looks like he was on the air as maybe a guest DJ picking out some records yeah. to play. Um And I know, I know you weren't at McMurdo when he stopped by, but what have you heard about his visit and particularly his time at the radio station?
0: I haven't heard a lot. My friend Romano, who's, if you watch that episode again, Romano's the guy who's in there with him. I think Romano had kind of a mixed take on him. Um, I think Romano kind of thought that he was sort of cocky and arrogant because he's from New York City and... um, I don't think I don't know that he had the best impression of him. But my friend Doug, who is a um, production, is Doug a production cook? Doug is a production cook at McMurdo. And um, Doug is probably Doug is probably on the radio like two or three times a week. Um, He uses the studio a lot. And I know Doug met him and Doug had a pretty favorable impression of him. That's wonderful. Um,
1: cook
2: to cook in that case,
1: right? Isn't it always?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Elizabeth Deliquette,
1: well, I was just wondering if there was ever dedicated talk programming.
0: Um, there is not, we have a five minute podcast from NPR, like a news update that we play every morning. So I will, I, um, download it from NPR's website and then I put it on the radio station and then I run the same podcast for about eight hours. And then in the afternoon I load up the next one, like the newest updated one. And then I, and then I air that and, um, Really recently, just a couple weeks ago, I started airing um, the podcast from The Antarctic Sun. So my colleague, Mike Lucibella is the editor of The Antarctic Sun, and he's been doing a podcast for the last 18 months or so. They're about 10 or 15 minutes long. And I've started airing those at the beginning of my show, um, just to have something different. Um, Those are the only podcasts that we play.
2: How exciting.
0: And And we're
2: we're looking forward to... Minds are out. blown yeah. now that there is also the Antarctic Sun podcast. There's a podcast?
1: Mean, check, out,
0: check out check out the Antarctic Sun podcast. Pretty cool. But if I ever um, wanted to
1: hear uh, Ice FM's talk programming where your guest de- – where your volunteer DJs who also work there at McMurdo Station in their day jobs are talking to their other – their coworkers about what their jobs are like, I'm out of luck. That stuff is just out in the yeah, ether. Yeah,
0: I would have to – yeah, you'd have to come visit me, or I'd have to visit you, and I'd have to play it from a thumb drive because well, it's not going to go on the internet.
1: <laughs> well, I have a desire to hear uh, one volunteer DJ uh, interview their coworkers about their jobs in Antarctica, but I'll keep that. I'll mm-hmm. keep that close to my chest. Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, we <laughs> haven't. The one thing we haven't had you do is kind of walk us through what the station looks like. Could you do like mm-hmm. a, a brief walkthrough of what's in there and what's on the walls? Yes.
0: And I will send you a bunch of photos um, so you have a visual. But I will tell you, so the radio station is just a room at the end of the hall. Um, In building 155, we have one really long hallway that we call Highway 1. And then there's a smaller one called Highway 2. And ICE radio is at the end of Highway 2. So you walk in and immediately to your left, you have almost a whole wall with CDs that defense media activity sends us. And then immediately to your right, you have another shelf with CDs at the back wall. um, As you come in the room, there is a wooden wall that's covered in artwork and people's signatures. So people will draw on the wall. People will sign their names. People will write their DJ name and their show name. Um, That's pretty cool.
2: That sounds like Um, a college radio station to me or a community radio station. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then to the back to the right, there's the um, to the at the back corner of the room. There's the desk with a radio board and a couple of microphones. Um, We have two turntables for the vinyl. Um, We have a phone. People can you can um, you can call into the radio station and um, and be on the air. Um, People will occasionally have call in guests. Um, My personal dream is to interview. My personal dream is to interview David Attenborough. I want to interview David Attenborough on Ice Radio so bad, and I can't figure out how to contact him because he's David Attenborough. Um, I don't remember when this was. Um, at, I think it was a couple years ago, maybe longer. Um, someone on Ice Radio interviewed uh, William Shatner. So it's it's been done. We've had um, outside guests before. Oh,
2: so do you yeah. bring them in via phone or yeah. by, by Skype?
0: Yep. Via, via phone. Okay.
2: So you have an actual phone number that does connect up to the rest of the world.
0: Um, it doesn't, it doesn't connect to the rest of the world in that you can't, so someone from the outside world cannot call into the station, but I could call them Uh and then put them on the air. Mm -hmm. And then if you're in town, you can just call the McMurdo extension number and be on the air that way.
3: So can you tell me about what you love about ice radio? Yes, there are a few things I
0: like about it. I like that there's just a novelty and a magic to doing a radio show in Antarctica. Um, I mean, every time I go on the show and do... Every time I go on the radio and do my show and say, you know, you're listening to Esoterra Australis on McMurtle, at live from McMurdo Station Antarctica, even though I know that I have maybe three listeners tops, um, it's still really fun to say that. Um, I also <laughs> like... I like that. At least for me, it's been an opportunity to try new things that I don't think I would have gotten around to doing back home. Um, I had never played vinyl before I came down here. I didn't even know how to use, a re- like, I didn't know how to use a turntable before I came down here, and I, I never would have done an all vinyl show back home I just I would not have done it but because we have a really good vinyl collection and because we play what's provided to us that was kind of a that was an incentive to go okay I guess I'm I guess I'm trying this now because this is what I have Um, I also like that it's an opportunity to um, train volunteers from the community who might not do radio back home or might not even think to try radio back home because the radio station is really, really, it's, it's so low key. This is the most low key radio, like volunteer opportunity radio station that I have ever worked at because, I mean, because of the, because we have 24 hour programming from American forces network playing like in the background that you can just turn up when you're not in the studio. So we always have something on air. We're not going to have dead air. So, You don't have the pressure of like, oh, my God, we got to have, you know, we have to have the DJ or, you know, the democracy now has to start right at five o'clock a.m. Or we're going to scare off our donors or something like that. There's none of that. So it's very low key. And um, because we have the floater system where you can just come in and do a show when you have time, I think that allows people to approach the radio station not as like – like There's there's no sense of obligation with ICE radio. It's, it's a privilege having it. We're so lucky to have this radio station. A lot of people get a lot out of it. Um, there are folks here who will come in to the vinyl room every single day during their lunch hour and just listen to records. There are people who will do DJ training and not even do a show. They'll just do the training to have access to the vinyl room because they love vinyl and they just want to have a quiet place to listen to music. So I think the fact that it's it's structured in such a way that um, it's tr- it's it's a morale booster, and I think its primary ser- its primary role as far as serving the community is not necessarily like bringing you all this you know crazy um, underground music or bringing you underrepresented news. Like we're definitely not in the business of of politics. We're definitely not in the business of you know exploring controversial ideas. But we are it's it definitely exists to to brighten people's day, to help people learn new skills um, and um, to allow people to kind of I think I think it allows people to approach radio in a really different way and in a way that they might not be able to do back home. I think the fact that. You can get training to be a DJ and then you don't have to – you're not expected to immediately commit to a show is really, really nice. And I think that makes it a little more accessible to people Um, because typically – I I mean community radio stations back home are great in so many ways, but I think typically – If you go to a community radio station or a college radio station and just say, hey, I want to get training to be a DJ and then just show up whenever I want to do a show, like you're not going to be able to do that. And at Ice Radio, you can do that. As long as no one else has reserved the studio or has their own reserved time slot, you can come in and... You know, if you don't if you don't tread on someone else's toes and you don't interfere with someone else's show, you could be in there for six hours on a Sunday. We have one day off. We have Sunday off. You could spend your Sunday off hanging out in the radio studio, playing records. And, you know, you could do you could do like a Grateful Dead hour off the cuff. You could do a bunch of classical music. You could do, you know, two hours of Latin I kind of got on my soapbox. There was any of that useful.
1: It was, we were all just smiling and nodding.
3: So is, is Ice Radio, is that, is that one of the, I hate to say this because it sounds bad, but is it one of the few creative outlets at McMurdo or or one of the most obvious creative outlets, I guess, at McMurdo?
0: Um, no. So Everybody here works 54 hours a week, so about nine to 10 hours a day, six days a week. Uh, most people get Sunday off unless they're working in fire dispatch or um, Mac Ops in the summer or in the galley. So the kitchen staff have really, they have really different schedules. So we're, we're kept busy. Uh, We all work really hard Um, in our free time. We have the radio station. Um, There's a really nice craft room. Uh, People spend a lot of time there. We have a library during the summer. Right now it's under um, there's they're doing some construction projects in the dorm where the library is located. So we don't have a library per se. We have – there's a little coffee house, which is also closed down for the winter. We have free DVD rental at the station store. So people are – there's a really good band room with a lot of musical instruments people can play. So, no, I mean, I think people here are pretty good at entertaining themselves in their free time. Um, And we'll have, like – We'll have movie nights. We'll have open mic nights. Um, we had a science fair a couple of weeks ago, which was really fun. In the summer, we have a we have a huge um, alternative art gallery. We call it. So we're—I mean, Antarcticans are—we uh, have sports leagues. We're—we're we're a very resourceful bunch. We're a very creative bunch, and part of the reason why I like McMurdo is just people here are—they're um, resourceful. They're hardworking. They're really creative, and they're—they're um, they're quirky. People here aren't afraid to be quirky. It's not uncommon to, you know, walk into like the coffee house or a sports event and see someone wearing, you know, a full penguin onesie. Like I will sometimes wear my penguin onesie to Sunday brunch or um, I like at ice stock. There were a ton of people wearing costumes. Right. Um, so I think, I think ice radio fits very nicely into the community as far as just being a really fun. It's a, it's a morale booster. It's um, it's an opportunity for people to try like try being a radio DJ, which again is something that I think you have to, I think at a lot of college and community radio stations back home, at least ones that I've encountered, when you want to, if you want to get DJ training or learn how to run a radio board, you're expected to commit to the activity and commit to the station in a way that you don't have to with ice radio and that's not to say that you don't have responsibilities i mean there's a there's a form that all djs and guests have to sign that say you know i will abide by the rules right. of the national science foundation i'm not going to swear i won't have alcohol in the studio etc so you certainly you do have to be responsible but you don't have to yeah you don't have to commit to a whole lot of time and i mean it's it's you know the the radio station is there for you. It's not it's not that you have to be there for the radio station. That's,
1: yeah, that's yes. wonderful. That's, uh, what said.
3: that's cool. So I just want to thank Elizabeth De La Quest, broadcast engineer at McMurdo Station in Antarctica. Thanks for coming on the show. It it's been so exciting for me having having been fascinated about this place for months now. So it it's great to have this insider tour of both McMurdo and the radio operations at Ice Radio there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so honored to be on the show, so I appreciate it a lot.
2: Jennifer, thank you so much for staying hot on the trail.
3: As soon as I caught a glimpse of, of this radio station on TV, I immediately went into research mode and was obsessed and was thinking about how can I visit this place. And,
1: right, life and, goals. And
3: pretty quickly, actually, within a few days, I had figured out somebody who knew somebody there. And it just kind of shows how interconnected the community, radio community really is, that I was able to find somebody who was likely going to work in radio Mm -hmm. in Antarctica through another friend. (laughs) so kind of crazy.
2: Absolutely. Can we thank that friend? Can we say thank you to Sabrina Roach, friend of Radio Survivor who helped put us in contact?
3: Yes, we can definitely thank Sabrina Roach. I think she just sort of mentioned on social media that she had a friend in Antarctica. I hadn't even put out a call for information. I just happened to notice her mentioning she had a friend there. And since Sabrina is a very committed radio person, I thought, I wonder if your friend might be doing radio there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it turns out she was. I don't know
1: if I've said it on the air, but Sabrina Roach is a shadow producer of Radio Survivor because of how much work they do, just making connections in this community here in the Pacific Northwest, but also globally. Globally, yeah. Yeah, You know, the work that Sabrina does to strengthen the community, radio community, really has lent a lot of uh, value and tips and, uh, you know, entire whole episodes of the show have have come about because of Sabrina's work. So yet again, oh, yeah. thank and you to Sabrina Roach.
3: She had, you know, an entire job for Brown Paper Tickets where she was helping people create community radio stations, which, yeah. you know, sounds like a dream job. And we should
1: mention that uh, Elizabeth Delaquest there in Antarctica has worked with some other people, other friends of Radio Survivor that didn't make it into the interview.
2: Yes, yeah, so uh, Elizabeth worked with Petri Dish, formerly the Prometheus Radio Project, now a sort of independent radio engineer and radio station builder. And Elizabeth worked with Petri, helping to build stations in Seattle area, in the Pacific Northwest. Low power FM stations, part of this last wave of low power FM stations. And we want to call out one station in particular, Space FM at point. FM in Seattle, because that is also a Radio Survivor affiliate station. We're heard Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on that station, and Elizabeth Delaquest helped to put that station on the air as a radio engineer helping to build low-power FM stations. I'll put in a quick plug that uh, we can be heard on low-power stations and community stations around the country. Go to radiosurvivor.com to learn more, and if you know a station That could use some extra cool programming about radio and community media. (laughs) Tell them about us. Please tell them about us. Tell them Uh, about this episode of radio survivor, where we interview,
1: uh, one of the, one of the people that helps run the radio, the community radio station in Antarctica.
2: Yeah, so uh, they should they should have our show on the air. And if you're listening on the radio, say thank you to your local station. We'd really, really appreciate that. What do you think? Let us know what you thought this episode. Or if you uh, have other suggestions of unique stations, far-flung stations we should cover, drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. That's
1: podcast at radiosurvivor.com. That was the voice of Paul Reese Mandel. My name is Eric Klein. Thank you again to Jennifer Waits for producing this episode, which originally aired back in June of 2018. The original uh, episode number was 146. You're now listening to episode number 182. And I just am I'm so happy to bring back that episode of uh, talking about community radio, a kind of community radio really is was a government run hybrid style you know station in Antarctica because here we have uh it's like the essence really of of what of how radio why it matters and what it is when when volunteer DJs share music with a community of listeners and when uh, the community around a station uh, put in their efforts as volunteers, as community members, to keep a station relevant, to keep it on the air. And in this case, this community uh, is very, 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 very tightly knit. It's very small because they all live together on a base in Antarctica. So again, this has been Radio Survivor. We're a listener and reader-supported enterprise. You can find out more about how to help us continue the mission at radiosurvivor.com slash support this radio program that you're listening to now over the airwaves or over the internet is also a podcast. The original podcast version of this interview that you heard today with Elizabeth Deliquis, uh ran a little bit longer in the original internet version. If you'd like to hear the uncut internet version, that's available up on the website for radiosurvivor.com or subscribe to the podcast Radio Survivor and you can always uh, get the next one for free in your podcatcher of choice with the few minutes that I have left here, I just want to like, there's something about this episode where we spoke to Elizabeth Delacquist there that still now that it's been uh, eight months since it originally aired, it still just gets to me. And it it feels so connected to everything else that we've been doing on Radio Survivor in the past couple of years. I mean, we talked about shortwave radio with Elizabeth Delacquist and then there was um, uh, many months later, we actually did an entire episode, Jennifer and I devoted to shortwave radio and the enthusiasm around it it's sort of an incredible radio technology because it allows uh, people to broadcast much farther (laughs) across this planet than the other technologies we're used to and uh, it it's sort of waning in popularity and so it's a really interesting thing to keep in mind since it also is really connected to the beginning of the history of radio and and the reason why people broadcast on shortwave you know they're their motivations are very interesting, and it really does sort of illuminate what radio is all about when you when you take a closer look at that kind of thing. And that's why I love this episode today of Radio Survivor about this radio station in Antarctica, Ice Radio, because when you, when you look really closely at what's going on at Ice Radio, this very uh, one-of-a-kind place, this very one-of-a-kind radio station, you can really see, like, why does radio exist at all? Uh, when it's community radio uh, it, it exists for people to both sort of share what they're excited about but also to um, for <laughs> it goes both ways the people inside of the station sharing with the people outside of the station and when you have a community like McMurdo Station it just uh, it, it, sh- it shines a brighter light thank you again to Elizabeth Delaquest. thank you again to Jennifer Waits and thank you again to the listener thank you for listening again to Radio Survivor this week uh, see you next week